We start a brand new series today called Come Together. And what this series is all about, it's all about uh, basically us as a church coming together and getting ready for what God is going to do in our church. Uh, we've seen some incredible things uh, this summer. I mean, we, we're, we're a pretty new church, and uh, we started last year. And uh, we've seen this summer, we've actually seen lots of people come. And we've grown. We've got lots of people on vacation. And you can see by, you know, there's still a lot of empty seats and stuff. But there's a lot of people away on vacation. But even every single week that we've seen, we've seen that God has been adding to, to Generation Church. And, and we've been growing. And we, we uh, just really believe that this fall is going to be a real pivotal moment. In, in our church, and we're believing that God is going to do some incredible things uh, here in our church uh, this fall and then this winter, even though I really don't want to talk about winter at the moment. Um, but uh, so what we're going to do over the next uh, three weeks, we're going to start to get ready for, uh, uh, for, for the fall. And, uh, and, and, and this isn't, uh, we're not going to just get together and say, right, who's doing this, who's doing that. This is really a, a biblical message that I want to give to you guys about what the church really is all about and what the church is supposed to be. How many of you like to put things together? Some of you. Like, I'm sure the guys like to put things together. I, when I was, when I was a, a, a child, I loved Legos. And I'll be honest, if there's like a, a little boy playing with Legos, and uh, I'll, I'll find myself over there and start playing with them. I just like Legos. And um, a couple of weeks ago, I was down in, uh, in, in Orlando. And uh, I, I was in uh, downtown Disney. And if you've never been to downtown Disney, it's got lots of shops, lots of restaurants, and things like that. And then this huge Disney store. Well, they've actually got a Lego store in uh, downtown Disney. And so, we, so I said to my wife, I said, Let, let's, go to, let's go into the, the Lego store. So I went in the Lego store, and uh, I started seeing all these really like, incredible uh, packages of Lego that would build like, these ships and, and build uh, like islands and build houses. And, and I was like, wow, that would be so much fun to like, just get these Legos and build it. I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm an adult and things like that. But it, was, it just looked fun. Well, I remember when I was a kid, I used to see all these Legos, and you would open the package, and everything would be separated. There would be all these different bits everywhere, and your job was then to follow the instructions and put the pieces together to make whatever you were trying to make, whether it was like a Star Wars, uh, you know, uh, Death Star, or, you know, if it was a pirate ship. Your job was to put them together. And I just really enjoyed starting putting them together. Another thing, I, I, when, when I was a kid, I, I grew up watching the A-Team. Now, who likes the A-Team? I mean, come on. You don't like, I mean, you guys, please. The A-Team is like the coolest TV 80s show ever. I mean, you can keep your, like, uh, Airwolf and all that sort of stuff, but to eight, the A-Team was the best. My favorite part of the A-Team was that, they would, that these four, they would probably have these uh, people who were trying to get them, trying to attack them. And you would see they would go off into like a garage or they would go behind like a wall with like just a few little bits of paper, uh, uh, a few uh, different things. They would have like a screwdriver, a screw and a piece of paper. And then they would come out from the other side of this wall with this huge machine gun and, uh, and, and this huge weapon. And you're like, wow, how did they do that? And I used to love it because I was like, wow, these guys could take something that was just junk and useless, and build something incredible out of it. I'm still like thinking, how did they do that? But anyway, um, but that is what, what happens when you get individual parts and they start to come together. You see, there is nothing more powerful, I think, in this life 
that happens when individual parts start to come together and make something whole. Now, there's nothing powerful about putting Lego pieces together, nothing powerful at all about the A-team. But when individual lives start coming together and start making something whole, I believe there's nothing more powerful. When a man and a woman come together in marriage, they come together and they become whole. And I don't think there's anything more powerful than the bond between a husband and a wife when it's done in a godly way. And there's something in the Bible that, if you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to, it's in Ezekiel chapter 37. And there was a man in the, in the Bible, his name was Ezekiel, and his book was uh, named after him. And he was a prophet of God, meaning that God spoke to him. And when God spoke to him, he went and told other people what God said. And one day God came to him and he gave this man a vision. And this vision was, uh, was uh, set in a valley. And it was like a desert valley. And he saw all these dry bones just lying in the valley. If you've ever been to a desert, you will see bones out in the desert where animals have died and, uh, and, and their skin is disintegrated, their muscles are disintegrated. All that's left is bones. And what you see, you see that Ezekiel saw this vision that he started to see all these bones in this valley. And let's read see what happens because something incredible happens in this vision. So if you have your Bibles, Ezekiel chapter 37 in verse 1, Ezekiel chapter 37 and verse 1, it says, The Lord took hold of me, that was Ezekiel, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across, uh, across the ground, and they were completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, Ezekiel replied, I alone, uh, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to breathe into you and make you alive again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message. This is Ezekiel saying, I spoke this message just as God had told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed, uh, formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. In the next few weeks, we'll look at a little bit more of this chapter and, uh, and discover exactly how these dry bones came from dry bones and they came together and they became living human beings. But this story reminds me a little of our church. Not that we're just dry bones and we're all dead and everything like that. Some of you might be some days. <laughs> when we come in at 7.30 in the morning, I feel like a dry, dead bone. But... Uh, but it reminds me of our church because I see what God has, has done within our church. I remember back last year, many of you, you probably didn't even know about Generation Church. But some of you, you were kind of like lying on your own out in the wilderness. 
Some of you, you had, uh, had, had never really stepped inside a church or been committed inside a church. Some of you never knew, knew about God or, or really ha- had received uh, uh, in your lives what God can do in your lives. Others, you, 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 uh, you had been in church, but you were kind of lost. Or you were away and, and, uh, from church and you didn't know which way to turn. Some of you, you were just on your own. You felt all alone. And I feel that God has created this generation church so that we could start bringing some of these dry bones together. And we could start living. And we could start being a complete church. And I believe that God wants us as a church to start to form and come together as a body. See, each of you, you've got gifts and talents. You've got things that you can bring to this church. Or if, if you're visiting with us, whatever church that you are part of, you have gifts and talents that you can bring to that church. And I believe that, that the church is a body. Now you may, whoa, this is kind of weird, a body. What, what are you talking about? Well, in, in Corinthians chapter 12, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul tells a church at Corinth, and he refers to the universal church, that's everybody, and that includes Generation Church. He said the church is like a body, and each individual part of that body needs to come together and work together so that that body can function as it should. And just as a body comes together, so a church needs to come together, and individual parts need to start coming together, working together, so that church then can start doing what that church needs to do, and living how that church needs to live. I think with this story with Ezekiel, we see that Ezekiel starts talking to these bones, and these bones start rattling, they start making a noise, and then they start coming together. There's Something that, that uh, Ezekiel said there. He says, as I spoke the words, these skeletons, these bones came together and they made complete skeletons. And I believe as the church of Jesus Christ starts to come together as it should, we will be like a complete skeleton. We won't have missing parts here and there, but we will come together and we will be complete. And as other people join our church and, be, and, and, and we reach out and, and, and we reach more people for Jesus Christ. And, and those people, whether they come to our church or not, they come in and they come into a church. Then they also come and be part of that body and, and make that completeness. And you may ask, well, how can we come together? How, like, as a body, like, if I'm just like a dry bone Like on my own, how can I come together and join with other people? Well, this morning I want to give you an example. And this example is found in the New Testament. It's actually found in the book of Acts. And we're going to look at at three things this morning that uh, that happened in the book of Acts. And these people, they were like dry bones. They were like lying all over the valley and they were on their own. They were kind of dying away. They were wasting away. Spiritually, they were dying. But suddenly they started to come together. And as they started to come together, it's amazing that they started to live. And they started to, to, to do things uh, for Jesus Christ. And they started to make a difference. But before we go any further today, I want to just give you kind of the bottom line of what today is all about. Today is all about this. Do not sit on the sidelines. But instead, come together. And as we come together, we can make a difference. Do not sit on the sidelines, 
but instead come together. And as we come together, we can make a difference. You know, a few weeks ago, I was, I was uh, sitting uh, um, uh, with some of our, our leaders. And we just started kind of uh, a little dreaming session about what, uh, uh, what Generation Church could look like in years to come. And we just started telling of, of what we feel that God has placed in our hearts. And it was kind of like a sponta- uh, spontaneous thing that we just started talking about the things that, that we felt that like God had for us. And I'll be honest, it kind of blew my mind about some of the things that, that some of the other guys were, were thinking. And, and, ha- and, and believe that God had for Generation Church. And some of the stuff that they were talking about, God had placed on my heart. And it was amazing just the, the, the outreach that, that, that uh, each of us kind of wanted to, to accomplish. The people we wanted to reach out to. The, the things that we wanted to do. And it just amazed me. But as I sat there and, and listened to, to, to each of us dreaming, I suddenly started realizing that unless we come together as a church, then those dreams, those passions, those visions that God gave us will never be accomplished. If we just stay as like a dry bone in a valley and we just kind of just waste away and, 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 and die or just stay all by our own, then we cannot accomplish those things. I know myself that I cannot accomplish what God has placed in my heart without your help. And I know that each of you, you cannot do what God has placed in your hearts without the helps, help of each and every one of us here. Because when God brings a church together, he does it for a reason, so that church can make a difference. And, and I ask you today, are you ready to make a difference for Jesus Christ? Are you ready to make a difference for Jesus Christ? I'm not talking about just going and changing the world, because this world has been like this for, for thousands upon thousands of years, and uh, if we all get together, you know, this world isn't going to be changed. But our community can be changed. And when you start changing one community at a time, then eventually the world does change. And I believe that God has given us a vision at Generation Church to reach out for Him, to reach out for Jesus Christ, to speak to people the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. But it needs us to come together. So this is what happened. The very first church that ever existed was a church that came together in a city called Jerusalem. And if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, this is what happened. These people were kind of lost. They didn't know what to do. Jesus had come and he had lived on this earth. He had performed miracles. He had gathered people together. And then he died and he rose again. And then he ascended to heaven and they were left all, all on their own. And then God did something incredible amongst this, these people. And they started to form a first church. And in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, it says this. It says, all the believers, so that's the church, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. 
Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. When I read this, I see that these people started to come together. And when they started to come together, incredible things happened. Did you know the first church that ever existed actually started to reach out to their community? And as they started to reach out to their community, they started to reach out to the communities around them. They reached out to Jerusalem, then they reached out to an area called Judea, and then they reached out to an area called Samaria, which nobody ever wanted to reach out to Samaria. And then they started to reach out to other parts, and they went into Europe, and they went into Africa, they went into Asia. And you see an incredible thing happened that this world suddenly started receiving the message of Jesus Christ and lives were changed, lives were transformed, and people suddenly found hope in Jesus Christ. And it was because these people, this little church, there was about 120 of them, started coming together. And this is how they came together. The first thing this morning, the first reason that they came together is because they did not disconnect themselves. They did not disconnect themselves. We see that these people realized that life together was better than life alone. Life together was better than life alone. They stayed attached to each other. They fellowshiped together. They hung out with each other. They ate together. They prayed together. And they even went to the temple together. You know, when I, when I was a teenager in our youth group at church, we had this guy called Richard Ulmer. And Richard was... A, uh, he was kind of like a bull in a china shop. You always got that guy in like youth groups. So the, those of you who went to youth group or you know, you've been in uh, youth programs or things, there's always that one guy who is just like crazy. And if you leave him alone, he'll just smash the room up. And we used to play like soccer every Sunday in the basement of our church. And uh, we would try to stay there for the service, but people would come down and get us back up into service. And, but like almost at least once a month, he would break a light. At least once a month. And they even had like a board meeting whether to allow us to play soccer anymore or not. Because this guy was breaking things like crazy. Well, I remember one night after church, we, uh, uh, one of the youth leaders, he had like one of those old Volkswagen uh, vans. Uh, you know, like those old hippie vans. And uh, it's kind of got the sliding door. And we all went around a friend's house after church on this Sunday night. And uh, Richard, he was sitting in the front and we were all sitting in the back. And like a bunch of hippies. And uh, suddenly we get out and we open the door. And as I get out, I put my, my, uh, my hand on the door. And then as I put my hand on the door, suddenly Richard slams the door shut. And my finger gets caught in the door. And I start yelling out and crying like a baby. And uh, I'm like, ah, my finger, my finger, my finger. And instead of opening the door, Richard, who's got a few screws loose, decided, hey, let's try to pull his finger out of the door. So he starts trying to pull my finger and pulling it and pulling it. And I'm like crying even more and, uh, and, and going crazy. I'm like, open the door, open the door. And he's just not listening. And eventually someone comes around and opens the door. Well, my finger was pretty mashed up. And uh, I went into the person's house. They wrapped it, you know, and put bandages around it and things like that. And uh, I took some painkillers. Next day I went to school and my finger was killing like crazy. And I came back from school, and my dad says, okay, we're going to take you to the hospital because uh, he unwrapped it, and it looked pretty bad. I mean, it was almost disfigured. You couldn't even tell it was a finger. 
So I went to the, to the emergency room, and we went to the emergency room, and the doctor came out, and I'll be honest, it was a very attractive young lady who was the doctor, and uh, she started, like, sewing up my finger, and it was the best experience ever because they gave me, like, these uh, 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 anesthetics, and she was just stroking my arm, and, you know, I was a 13-year-old boy. I'm like, this is pretty sweet. Um, but what I found out is what happened is my finger got totally dislocated. And it just totally come away from the joints because of all the pulling that he did. But the incredible thing was, is that over the course of the next four weeks, my finger started to heal. And let me just tell you a story. So the next week I went back to, to the hospital so they could look at my finger. And I was like, hmm, I'm going to see that hot nurse. And, you know, I'm gonna, this is going to be good. And I get there and this big, huge woman, this kind of butch woman comes out. And she starts messing with it. There's no anesthetic. And it's like the most painful thing in the world. I'm like, I'm never going back there again. That will kind of teach me for, you know, thinking bad thoughts about a nurse. And uh, anyway, so did I say that? Sorry, that was bad. <laughs> but I found out my finger was dislocated. But the great thing was, was that my finger was still attached to my body. And because my finger was still attached to my body, it was very quick uh, that it healed. And it came back to full function in the game. But have you ever seen a chicken when they get their head cut off? It's pretty funny. Because, I'm sorry, animal lovers, I'm sorry. But if you see a chicken get their head cut off, they will still run around. And they'll run around for quite a while. And just depending on, on how big the heart is in that chicken, they will run around for a long time. But eventually, that chicken will flap its wings, it will run around, but it will just fall down and it will die. Because suddenly the head and the body are disconnected. You see, you can be hurt, you can be injured, but when you are connected, healing happens. But when you are disconnected, then it's very hard for the healing to happen. And when you, are to- when you start to disconnect yourself from the body, you will slowly die. Like these dry bones in this valley, suddenly they were disconnected from each other and all that there was was a a valley full of dead, dry bones. And I believe this is what happens when, when a believer of Jesus Christ starts to disconnect themselves from other believers. I've seen it time and time and time again. That people, they start to disconnect themselves from other Christians. Church attendance starts be, to become sporadic. They spend more time on relationships outside the church than cultivating relationships in the church. And let me just say, it is important to spend time with people who are not in the church. People who do not know the Lord. Because our mandate is to go and tell people about Jesus Christ. And if we don't have relationships with people who do not know the Lord, how are we going to tell, them about Je- how are we going to tell people about Jesus Christ? But when we start to spend more time with those relationships outside the church than people in the church, and we start to disconnect themselves. I've seen it time and time again. When other things become a priority to people. Than God. And coming together as a church. And this is what happens. And I'll be very honest with you. When you start to dis- disconnect yourself from the church of Jesus Christ. Eventually you're going to spiritually die. I've got friends. I think of my friend Rick. I think of my friend Phil. My friend Adam. All of them. Things happen in their life. And they started to disconnect themselves from the church where they had such a great future. God had great things for them and they started to disconnect themselves from the church and all of them now are just in spiritual darkness. And that's what happens with people when they disconnect themselves from the church. 
And I believe this is, this is the reason why God created us to come together. Because he created us as a body to come together, to function and work together. And just like a branch, when it's cut off from a vine, eventually it's going to die. And as you disconnect yourself, if you disconnect yourself from the body of Jesus Christ, you'll spiritually die. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, it says there, it says, Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of the Lord's return is drawing near. See, what happens is when you start to come together as a church, you start to encourage each other. And when you go through problems and and trials and, and, and different things in your life, those people that you are connected with can start to help you and start to encourage you. This early church, they decided not to disconnect themselves. But they kept themselves connected together. We also see, not only did they not disconnect themselves, but we also see that these people did not keep for themselves. They did not keep for themselves. The strength of the first church was their ability to put the needs of others above their own. I've seen so many people walk out of churches complaining because their needs weren't met. But yet, most of the time, and sometimes it was a very valid reason. Sometimes they were in a place that it wasn't a healthy place. But I've seen so many people walk out of churches and their needs weren't met. But when you actually look at what they were doing in the church, they actually were doing nothing to help meet the needs of others. And let me just say, as a church, I believe that a church that functions as God intended it to function is a church where each individual member looks out at the needs of others above their own. And then what happens when that happens is that God starts to take care of your needs. When you start to look at other people's needs above your own, God's going to take care of your needs. And this is what happened in this first church. This first church, they weren't consumers, but they were givers. And I ask you today, are you a consumer or are you a giver? A consumer or a giver. If you're a consumer, then there's going to come a point where you're just not going to want to receive anymore. Because you're not connected. You're not giving. But if you're a giver, then God's got great things for you. Because I know that God's going to take care of your needs. In fact, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 13, it says, When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. So when people are in need, it's the job of the church to help them. And then we must be eager to show hospitality to other people. This is the attitude of Jesus. It's an attitude of service and giving unto others. In 1 Thessalonians 5.11, it says, So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you're already doing. So as we come together as a body, as we come together as a church, then we start to encourage each other and you get built up and you build other people up. And then in Hebrews chapter, 20, uh, chapter 10 and verse 24, it said, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. So as we come together, we need to start to motivate and encourage each other to start doing the works of Jesus Christ. Start showing love and reaching out to others. I tell you today, don't keep for yourselves. Don't seek your own needs. But start to help with the needs of others. Encourage each other. 
motivate each other. And what will happen is as you focus away from yourself, God will start focusing on you. God will start focusing on you. As you focus to others, God focuses on you. As you give, you will receive. But it starts with giving. These people, they didn't disconnect themselves. They didn't keep them themselves. And then the last thing we see today is they didn't worship by themselves. They didn't worship by themselves. It says there in the book of Acts chapter 2, it says that each day these people went to the temple and worshipped God. Now, that's pretty crazy. They went to the temple every day. Imagine going to church every single day. Some of you are like, oh, please. Once a week's bad enough. But could you imagine going to the temple every day? These people did. And we see that they didn't just go alone, that they actually went together. They didn't stay at home and watch the TV preachers. They didn't log in online and have church in their pajamas. But in fact, they actually got out of bed. They got ready. They got out of their house. They met with their fellow believers, the other people in the church, and they went to the temple to worship God. And I believe that there is something powerful that happens when believers come together and worship God together. You know, this morning we were singing songs as worship unto God. And I believe that there's something powerful that happens when people worship God together. In fact, the Bible tells us what happens when people worship God together. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, it says, For where two or three are gathered together, where two or three are gathered together as my followers, I am there amongst them. I am there amongst them. You know, when you start to come together and worship God together with other people, something incredible happens and that God shows up. God shows up. And if that's the only reason why you should come together and worship God with other people, then that is enough. Because when God shows up, incredible things happen. Lives are changed. Lives are transformed. People are healed. People receive hope. People receive peace. And their lives are just made better and they receive Jesus Christ. In fact, this this first church, they came together and they realized that worshiping God together was one of the most important things. And this is why, because it started to put their differences aside. This first church, they weren't all like the same people. They weren't all from the same neck of the woods. They were people from different backgrounds, different cultures, they had different beliefs. And just like us here this morning, we are people from different backgrounds, different cultures. We even have people who speak different with different accents. I mean, isn't that crazy? But these people started to come together and they put their differences aside. And they came together as one. And I believe for us as a church, the great thing about worshiping God together is that we can put our differences aside and we can start to worship God together. You know, there's people here this morning, you're from... Very different backgrounds. Some of you didn't grow up in church. Some of you, you came from an atheist background. Some of you came from a Baptist background. Some from a Methodist, Lutheran. Some from Catholic. And even those crazy Pentecostals. And the reason why there's so many different denominations is because there's differences. But I believe that as we come together and worship God, those differences are put aside because our focus is one thing and that is on God. That is on God. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, 
um, chapter 2 and verse 1 said, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, and the day of Pentecost was like a, a Jewish festival that they had. It said, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, all the believers were all together with one accord in one place. They were all together with one accord in one place. And I honestly believe that when we start to worship God together, And our focus is on just the Lord. Then we start to come together in what we call one accord. We start to come together in perfect unity. We start to come together and and something incredible happens. Then God shows up and we see that these people, they were together in one place, in one accord. And God showed up. And that day, 3,000 people came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. 3,000 people in one day. All because these people decided to come together put their differences aside, they didn't disconnect themselves, they gave to others above themselves, and then they worshipped together. And incredible things happen. And whatever your level of faith is today, there is one thing that God is desiring you to do. Above loving Him and worshipping Him, that is to pick up your dry bone and come together with other people in the church and start to form a body. How many of you saw the movie The Aviator at all? Yeah, it was a pretty sad movie. I didn't like it too much. But it was a great story. It was actually the story of of a man called Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes, he had always been an eccentric. He was a billionaire business mogul, and he was an aviator, and he had obsessive compulsive tendencies. He liked to produce movies. He liked to invest in things. And one day, he finally cracked. His obsessive compulsive disorder got him to a place where he couldn't just handle being around other people. And in 1947, Howard Hughes locked himself in a darkened screening room for a month, for four months. He just started watching movies. That's all he did. He did little more than eating chocolate bars and drinking milk. He didn't see anybody. He didn't go out. He just stayed in this room. Later on, he decided that he wanted to move out of this, this movie screening room. And he went from penthouse, hotel penthouse to hotel penthouse. And by 1950, this man, Howard Hughes, who had so much to give to this world, decided to go into complete seclusion. He refused to appear during some hearings concerning his own company, which was uh, Trans World Airlines. Rumors began to circulate about this man's Valium addiction. He started becoming very thin. His beard just got all scra- uh, scraggly. And his fingernails became all twisted and long. This man decided to cut himself off from society. He had so much to give, but he decided to cut himself and disconnect himself off. And by 1976, this man had died in a self-imposed seclusion. He had died because he had failed to connect with other people. And when you fail to connect with other people, and when you fail to connect with the church, then spiritually you start to die. You may not die physically, but spiritually you start to die. Howard Hughes died as a very lonely old man. He had achieved so much, 
But he, in the end, his life was a failure because he decided to disconnect. Life became about how it's used. Life consumed him because it just became about himself. And so many people, they die a spiritual death because life becomes about them instead of it becoming about others. However, I've seen the ones that have lived and grown, the ones whose faith has grown, those who have achieved great things for God are the ones who stay connected to the Lord. They stay connected to the church. They've given more than they've received. And they've realized the importance of worshiping with others, not just by themselves. This is what the first church did. And the outcome was that the world was changed for Jesus Christ. And I tell you today, imagine as we as Generation Church, if we come together, pick up our dry bones and come together. Imagine what we could do in Hartford County for Jesus Christ. Let's pray.